Welcome back to Talk is Best. Today's episode, I will be speaking to eight-time published author Tammy Vreeland. I met Tammy at Horicon this past October. She was at the booth across from mine. Um, when you talk about experience, there is no better than Tammy. My conversation with Tammy begins now. What's going on, guys? This is Andrew Bass, and you're listening to Talk is Bast. All right, guys, welcome back to Talk is Bast. Fresh off her appearance on Alec and Gia's Drop-A-Line, I'm joined now by author Tammy Vreeland. How are you today, Tammy? I'm good. Thank you for having me, Andrew. Awesome. So uh, let's get into it. Uh, When uh, did you first decide to publish? Uh, I've been writing for 15 years. Um, I was always more of an avid reader. To be honest with you, most authors have always been writing since they were, you know, in grade school or high school. I, on the other hand, didn't start writing until I was in my 30s. So um, I, I decided I had a story that I wanted to write and I had read so much through my lifetime, I thought, well, let's, let's try it. And that's where I went with it. I, I, I took my first story the folks and uh, put it down to paper and, and thought I'd have a go at it. That's awesome. And, you know, thinking back to like the uh, first time I decided to publish Sanguinary Song, uh, it, I think by the time I finished that manuscript, I, it was for the first time that it really hit me that this thing might be um, something others might want to read. Is that like a type of feeling that you have when you uh, published your first book? I do. I, I think, you know, all of us have wonderful ideas and, and it's a matter of how passionate we become with it and how we can be able to describe it to somebody. Um, it, it really comes down to being a storyteller. And when you, you when you talk to somebody about it and you kind of pitch your idea to get a response from them, the, uh, it becomes exciting because if you can kind of ensnare them into just the idea, then uh, how much more exciting would it be if they actually want to read the story? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what were some challenges you faced while publishing? Back then, um, publishing was a, a very difficult um, situation to get into because nowadays, you know, you have self-publishing and and self-publishing is the way to go. Um, Many of your mainstream authors have have, um, left the publishing industry to self-publish, feeling like they have more control over their copyrights. And I don't care who you are, whether you're a musician or an artist, uh, it's really hard to give up your copyrights. And I know a lot of people, when you tell them that you want to become self-published because you want to hold on to your copyrights, they, they tend to think without being in the industry that that's just a way of you saying, well, I haven't been picked up from a mainstream publishing house, so this is what I'm going to do. Um, but in reality, and, and that was the thinking 15 years ago, self-publishing was a cop-out. You didn't self-published. If you self-published, um, you were looked down on. And it wasn't until about my third story that I started realizing that the, the shift in the industry where you know, artists and, and, and authors were realizing that self-publishing was the way to go. And then um, ebooks were then introduced, which opened up a whole new realm of avenues for us. And, and so 
what a night and day scenario it is to be able to publish now versus back then. So um, in, in terms of publishing, do you do everything yourself or do you uh, hire some people to help you? No, I, from beginning to end, I keep everything. Um, I, now, recently I have been having, um, I do pay for editing uh, just because it's, it, I hate to edit. <laughs> I don't know who enjoys it. I give a lot of credit to who do it for a living. But um, I, I like to have uh, my finger in everything, whether it, it comes to my covers. I design my own covers. Um, I, you know, design, I, I do the plots and uh, the whole story is mine so from beginning to end. That's awesome. You know, that, I think that's one of, been one of my biggest challenges being in that process. Like I'm almost done with the editing process, but it's been really hard to kind of give an editor uh, a, a big leeway in my story. You know, uh, there was uh, at one point uh, something that I, I fought on with her. You know, she was like, yeah, this idea is like, you know, not good. I'm like, yeah, but I think it is. You know, it's like it's it was coming to that realization that, you know, sometimes your first idea isn't your best idea. But like you still um, have those instances where you um, definitely feel the need to kind of defend yourself and sort of um, fight for your original thought. Right. Well, they, when I I'll give you a classic example um, with my first story, The Folks, I had uh, when I was trying to pursue the avenue of, of publishing, I, I sent the work out to uh, one of these publishing houses and they do a what they were calling back then a robot uh, editing, believe it or not. And, and so they take your manuscript and they, and they, they were basically kind of like spell checking it, but a little bit more than that. And so I get the form back on, on, on the folks. And one of the things that stuck out in my mind and you try to be open-minded and you, you know, obviously when you write your story, especially when it's your first story, they're going to be, a lot of things that you need to improve on and so you try to be open-minded and and there was this one thing that just stuck out in my mind was and and it was i had written about the little girl next door and they came back and they said oh you can't use that term it's not politically correct and mm -hmm. i'm thinking to myself what do you mean it's a little girl next door <laughs> it just blew my mind i wasn't you know it, it, i did not know how they could possibly say that was politically incorrect i didn't know how else to explain who she was because she was a little girl next door so you kind of wonder sometimes where editors or in this case the computer was going with that and 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 so you kind of take a step back and, and, and try to figure out. And, but sometimes you have to stand your own too. So she basically tells you that the idea is, isn't something you want to go with because it's not politically correct. Correct. So, uh, you know, you have the idea of like, what did you do after that? Did you take the advice? Did no. You... <laughs> yeah. And see like, how do you feel after not taking that advice? You know? I, I, you know, it took away from the story because, you know, my main story was about a little boy who had, imaginary friends and his little friend next door happened to be a little girl. I mean, how much more could I use it as a description? I mean, I wasn't being politically incorrect by calling her a little girl. She was a little girl. So I mean, where do you go from that? I, I, it, it just kind of blew my mind and I, I, I just ignored it. And, and then, you know, and that 
it just led me to believe like sometimes you just have to write the story for yourself and 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 things will work out on the in the long run i suppose yeah and you know i think it's important to like recognize as a young author um or as an incoming author you know um the idea that you know um sometimes sometimes you have to you know fight for your beliefs you know uh, sometimes you know your way isn't necessarily the wrong way it's just you know there's a whole bunch of different types of readers out there that believe certain things. You're going to have people that are going to love your book. You're going to have people that are going to hate your book. But the most important thing is, you know, present the story that you feel is the best that can be uh, presented to a modern audience. And I, I agree hundred percent and believe it or not, you know, I have a, a lot of, a lot of times when you, when you've already published several books, um, you'll have authors come up to you and say, uh, you know, I, I have a story. Will you read it? Can I send it to you? Will you read it for me? And as an author, you know, we all want feedback and I try to make a, a new author realize that sometimes that's not such a good idea. First of all, you have to be careful with who you allow to read your story before it's published. Um, because, you know, you don't know the people and how they're going to take things, but my way of explaining it, and, and I am perfectly honest, and this is why when I'm talking to another author and they have, they've said, I haven't read your story, I'm perfectly fine with that. First of all, it's very difficult for authors to even have time to write their own stories with all that we have to do, let alone read other people's stories. But it's not in the way you would think. Uh, the re my reasoning for not reading, and, and I honestly have not read someone else's story for 15 years because I, I know who I am. I know the type of person I am. And if I read a story, I make that story my own. I use my imagination to put myself into that person's story. So I would never want to subconsciously use somebody's story later on in, in my lifetime or in my own work. So for me to stop myself from, from doing that, I stopped reading other people's works. And, and then what I explained to them, well, tell me about your story. I would rather you tell me in person and, and, and visualize it for me because I can, and I know this is crazy and I'm trying to explain it the correct way, but I can watch horror movies on, uh, you know, Netflix or on the TV shows all day long and it will never affect my writing because someone else has visualized it for me. Does that make sense? It, I yeah. even had to put myself, you know, in that position in my own mind. So I never want an author to feel like I'm blowing them off because I won't read their works. That's not, I'm, I'm actually trying to be very respectful and, and we do want to have that feedback. And one of the ways I found that worked for me and I kind of stumbled across it, to be honest with you, and it was actually two things in one. Um, one is my husband is, is definitely not a reader. He just will not read anything. I just, go figure I'm married to somebody who won't read any of my stories, <laughs> which is frustrating. But in the, in the same aspect, it's kind of refreshing because uh, he's awesome for me to be able to bounce ideas back. And, if, and, and I am allowed to read to him. And if I'm reading to him uh, a chapter that I just wrote, you know, as soon as I'm finished, I'll look at him and I'll go, okay, how was it? Did I, you know, can you, visualize it is it you know and he'll go oh yeah I, I can definitely identify with the characters or 
well, you know, this one character may need to be stronger. And it really helps me because, you know, I'm getting that feedback. But the one big thing, and I think a lot of authors haven't really tapped into this. And, and like I said, I stumbled on this and this has really helped me throughout my career. And that is I, um, I have a lot of truck driver friends who, you know, they get bored, you know, riding along and audiobooks are a big thing. And so I, one of my truck driver friends was like begging me to do my books in audio. And so I thought, well, okay, you know, I'll try it. And I started, and, and believe me, it's not an easy thing to do. Like yet again, it's, it, it is something that is very difficult to get into because you have to have uh, a, a good microphone. You have to have complete silence. The dogs can't be barking. The phone can't be ringing. You know, um, you can't clear your throat <laughs> or drink anything. So you yeah. have to be, you know, really, and you want to talk about editing. Uh, that's something that you really are constantly editing. But what I found, why I, I, I use it as a tool, not so much to write it, because I, I, I'm not doing them anymore, but I use it as a tool that when I read a chapter or when I finish a chapter, I force myself to read that chapter out loud. And the reason being is when we read something, it's so easy to skim over a previous mistake several times. You know, you can see something that's misspelled and your and your mind's already corrected for you, so you don't actually know to fix it. Whereas when you're reading your story and you read it word for word outside, not only are you catching mistakes, but it, you're you're sensing the flow of the story. So I really encourage any new author or a, a, a published author that's been doing it a while. Try it. Try to see how your story sounds when you read it aloud. Absolutely. And, you know, there's a, there's a lot to unpack there. You know, the, the, the main idea there, you know, that you were um, expressing was this idea that authors, you know, in general want you to read their books. But, you know, there are other ways in which authors can kind of help um, new authors, you know, see their ideas. And like one of them is, to, like you said, to read the book aloud. That's something I do. I mean, my, my cats think I'm absolutely insane because I'm sitting there going back and forth in different voices, you know, trying to catch my own mistakes. And, you know, I, for one, edit myself constantly um, to uh, <laughs> to my detriment because um, I think I get in my own head at some point. Um, but, you know, I, I do think that it's helpful because I do catch things all the time. Um, the other thing you brought up was that idea that... Um, you know, sometimes it's better to talk about an idea that somebody as opposed to just reading it, you know what I mean? Right. Um, reading it is fantastic, but I think um, talking about an idea is even better. Um, and this is something that Alec and I do. I, I, we've done it since uh, we became really close friends. I mean, you know, just yesterday he uh, texted me an idea and I was like, well, you know, how does that impact the, you know, this or this or that? You know, right. I'm so in tune with what the stuff that he's doing. And um, it's really cool to be able to text someone or call someone and be like, Hey, how does this idea work? Do you think it works or am, is it just in my head? You know? And, and in the end, it's a perfect way to have feedback because it, it encourages you to continue on. Cause it, we, as a writer, so much self doubt, you know, you, you sit there some days are, 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 
very encouraging and, and you're and you're the rewards are just flying out of you and then the next day you might read it and go oh my god this is such crap and you think i i really need to redo this and and so it can be disappointing and 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 i think you know you know meeting you and and alec at horicon i it when you go to these different events that that you're meeting people in person um authors love to sit in their office and write, you know, leave us alone. We want to put our story down on paper, but what better way for us to write these stories than to interact with people and, and, and kind of get a feel for what's going on in the real world, you know? So we have to force ourselves to come out of our office and, and look around and see the sunshine and go, okay, now what does this person have to offer for me? You know, and, yeah. and that helps. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's really hard for an author to do because it is. we're always so focused on getting things done. We don't realize sometimes that we need to get out and, you know, talk to people because, you know, every interaction is a potential scene of that course. you could come up with later, you know? I know when I was working in retail, uh, I always wanted to do a book called Retail, you know, because to retell the stories that go on in, in retail, um, only because everybody has a story and and i know that's cliche but it's true i don't care who you are i don't care how old you are how young you are you have a story to tell and i find it fascinating to listen and a lot of people don't listen and and you'd be surprised at what you can hear and how you can apply it to you and 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 you know we're always striving to to give depth to our characters or to to, to try to have new characters that that people can identify with and and if we're just sitting behind a screen not not realizing that those characters are, are literally right across the street from us get out there you know and 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 be inspired is basically it yeah absolutely so uh i i heard you mention earlier about um audiobooks uh is this something you're trying to pursue now I have no time to do it. I, uh, I, I did enjoy it. I, I, I did four of my books in audio response. People don't like my voice. That's why I was a little worried about coming on your show. <laughs> um, they can be brutal and I, I get it. I really do. I, I don't do voices. I just, this is basically was me reading my own story. And, and, you know, you would think as a, as an author, oh, you're going to nail it because you know what kind of emotions you want to give to this character and that character. Um, not so easy, you know. I'm not an actress, and I'm I I've never taken acting courses, and and reading is acting, and so I might be able to write, but I definitely <laughs> obviously can't read. <laughs> um, so they they're brutal out there, and and they they come and they tell you exactly what they thought of it, and. Like I said, I get it. You know, when you're in the car, you don't want to be put to sleep by somebody reading their story. And I tend to do that to people. So hopefully it's not the story, but just my voice. Well, you know, <laughs> just certain people uh, are better at reading. It's like you look at me and Alec. Alec has this reading show. Like he's the reader of the right. two. I mean, if I'm reading, I'm reading, you know, for myself. So it's it, right. You know, um, Alec and I have recently talked about doing it. And he's like, I'll do the uh, I'll do it. I'll record you know, for him and for me, which would be kind of cool. But, you know, it, it's it's all about, like you said, putting in all that time and, you know, finding out it, ways it, to entertain other uh, readers. It is. 
but also you know it has to be just like what we do for for writing when it all boils down to and the reason why i did it not only did i do it for a friend of mine um and and he loves them uh he listens to them all the time bless his heart um <laughs> but i did it too with thinking okay well you know what one day i'm going to be in a nursing home and i'm not going to be able to read my stories and what better way for me to hear my voice back in the day reading this story and so you know you, you think about things like that and, and you know so make the time I, I don't care if nobody ever hears it do it for yourself and and, and it, it might be worth it to you one day absolutely and especially when you're at live events and we'll, we'll get into like the the things about live events in the next segment but like just a, a quick little uh tidbit like i noticed like a lot at events people come up and this is either this is what they'll say they'll either say one i don't read or b i don't have time to read but if you had an audiobook i totally get it so it's like people <laughs> would rather listen to it on like a podcast for, format like right. we're doing right now um as opposed to reading the story which like to me, I, I kind of I'm still surprised by that, but it's the sort of the generation that we've um, come into today where everything is, you know, on electronic devices where everything's at the click of a button. Right. And, and you know, that's another thing, too, though. I mean, now there's programs out there that will and I tried experiment experimenting with that when it came to my audiobooks okay well maybe i'll change my voice throughout the story and have it be a little child the little girl next door <laughs> or um <laughs> you know an older person's voice and and that got so complicated and 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 that was just a, a whole different entity in its own so um, so for right now, I, I, I think just writing the stories and then, uh, when I, I do though, it is kind of nice cause I only write during certain parts of the year. And so on my downtime is when I try to experiment and, and like with the audio, I decided to try that and it was, it was cool. It definitely was interesting. That's for sure. And like what format did you use to record? I'm curious. I did it on wave and I did it audio.com. Um, and you know, it's so easy cause it is connected to Amazon and it doesn't cost you anything. And they get, they provide you, what you do is you basically take each chapter that you, you create on your wave or, you know, microphone, you hook it up to your computer and you, there's different programs you can use. And I'm sure a lot has changed cause I did this like seven years ago, probably. So um, I'm sure with all the apps and everything, there's so much more to be able to do. But, but basically what you do is you, you set up your account and um, you submit a chapter at a time. And then once you have them all done, then, you, and then they, they put it all together and, and sell it as a book, an audio book. So they pretty much do everything for you, like self-publishing. Wow, that's incredible. I mean, I, I, we've been looking at different mediums, you know, Alec and I, for how to do it. And like we... We're even thinking about trying Anchor for it because of its just right. distribution. I, I even just got a message from uh, Anchor where they added me on some other platform I've never heard of before. But it really? it shares That's it on cool. like eight different platforms. So you're getting heard nice. everywhere. Well, the, the one thing about audio.com is that on audio is is that if you're selling your books on amazon they automatically tie it to there too oh, okay so that that is one thing nice about it yeah absolutely and if you can record the audio you could probably upload it to uh 
to other websites for sure. Um, so like you did mention earlier how um, you do a lot of the um, uh, putting the book together to get or well, I can't talk today. You do a lot of putting the book together um, by yourself. Uh, one thing that I've been uh, worrying about getting towards the end of my own book is how to do the interior formatting. Do you have any advice on uh, taking that uh, step? Well, the interior formatting, you know, um, usually whoever you're going to be publishing it with, whether it be a self-publishing or even um, Amazon itself, they provide you with a formatted. So basically you're just inputting it and, and they've already have what the gutter, because it, it can get confusing. You, you know, what, what top margins do I use? What bottom margins, right, right and left, I have to have a gutter so that the seam of the book will fall in the right place. Um, personally, I've never dealt with that because my, my self-publisher 15 years ago started doing that for me and uh, did it into a PDF file. And then when I would ask him, well, I would like it back in Word for me. And then I was able to see what his margins were. And, and so whenever I create a new story, I set those margins up because, you know, if you start writing, I mean, one of the big things is I know they always for uh, uh, whatever style you're using, it's always times numeral um, 11 or 12 makes a big difference because if you're just writing a story on, on whatever you are using on the computer, it's kind of, you get lost because you don't know how many pages you're going to be in a chapter because if, if you cut it in half, obviously it's going to be twice the length of the book that you thought it was going to be right. so it definitely you know getting set up sometimes it's refreshing because you you, you work on this and, and you think oh my goodness i don't have enough pages and then when you put it in the correct format you know wow this is a lot longer than i thought it was going to be so i always suggest to try to figure out your your margins and and everything before you start writing so that you know where you're at in your story okay so uh you published what eight times now Yes, yes. Eight horror bo books in the horror genre and five children's books. That's awesome. So my question to you right before we uh, wrap up this segment is uh, once you publish a story, does it get easier? Um, the next time around? <laughs> <laughs> it, it's about the same, really, because it's the same format. I, that's why I never um, did anything differently, because the the first publisher who published my first book did such an awesome job and he put me out in so many platforms uh i was on amazon barnes and nobles uh, at one point in time i had i was on tower books and 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 i was so excited because when it came up on the screen and it said if you like stephen king's book you're gonna like the new book from tammy vreeland and i was like oh my gosh how exciting that is so i screenshot it and framed it in my office that's fantastic so, it is. It's exciting. So he's always he's always looked out for me, and and so when I get my book done, I just give it to him, and and he puts it. And I, I I'm still shocked to this day when I I type my name in some of the places my books come come up on. All right. So I'm having a great time talking about uh, publishing with Tammy, but when we come back, we are going to be talking about uh, events as an author. How does an author stand out or get noticed? But first. I want to take a moment to talk about Twitch Dreamer Wobbleline. Do you have any interest in MMOs? Are you a Final Fantasy fan? Perhaps you want to see a particular game streamed. 
Well, Wobbleine has all that and more. Wobbleine streams both Final Fantasy XI and Final Fantasy XIV. Both are MMOs in the Final Fantasy franchise and also enjoyable experiences. His schedule is currently 5 p.m. until 10 p.m. Eastern on Twitch. He streams Monday through Saturdays, and you can find when and where he streams on https forward slash forward slash www.twitch.tv slash wobbleline. He will also stream requested games based on demand. Come on by and say hello. All right, and welcome back, guys. So you've uh, written your book, and it's amazing. Congrats. Thank you. You published your story, but now it's time to sell your book. You know it's awesome, but how do you get others to see it as well? So, Tammy, how uh, how does a new author get noticed in uh, the, in 2020? Well, I think, you know, social platforms are the way to go. They are the wave of the future. Um, they are here and now. Uh, back in the day, you had friends and family. And uh, on the off chance that friends and family branched out to coworkers and neighbors. And so it was a spread of word of my, by mouth. Nowadays, you have, you know, Instagram, which thanks to you and Alec, I had not experienced Instagram. Um, I'm old school, so... It was a little intimidating, but now I'm hooked and I love it. And, you know, to be able to interact with people and, and, and talk. And I'm a big Facebook fan and I know that's old school, but um, I do have a nice platform on Facebook. But there are other avenues, just like doing the podcast today and, and, and doing drop a line. You, you get to branch out to so many more people. Absolutely. And, you know, that's the thing about uh, drop a line, though, it's. It's all about visual presentation. So th there was a really cool thing at your table, and I know Alec mentioned it on uh, Drop a Line, but you had the um, the video going on in the background. I did. And I, I I had discovered book trailers. I, I used to do them myself, and then I had them started doing them professionally. And the reason why was because uh, going to Horicon is a, a more of a film themed industry and so as an author how do we find ourselves involved with the film directors and the actors and celebrities and and so I thought well let's put our book into like a commercial and and actually uh Horicon is using my trailers as little commercials in between the the films that they're presenting which is amazing I'm just so excited about that that's awesome. And, you know, it, it's cool, too, because you could put that stuff on Instagram and that stuff gets you noticed. It does. But, you know, it's because of you and that, you know, display at the table. Where I was like, Alec, we got to do that. <laughs> and uh, uh, one of the things we've been talking about at our uh, weekly meeting is this idea where uh, we should shoot trailers for our books. Yes. And um, have them at the table and have them circulating on Instagram. And the whole process sounds really exciting. It is. It is. And, and, and you don't have to pigeonhole yourself into one trailer. I actually have a couple trailers for the same book. Because when you're at Horicon or when you're at a convention, 
um, people are walking by, but you know, the poor people like you across the way have to see the same trailer over and over and over again. So out of respect for you, I try to put as many as I could. And this year is going to be even bigger and better where we are actually getting a, a large 65 inch screen TV is going to be in the background. And we're going to have this loop of videos so that you know, when people walk by randomly, they're going to see one book or they're going to see one trailer and, and it keeps them interested. Absolutely. And, you know, um, you know, talking about like, you know, HorrorCon and sort of display setup, like we saw how experienced you were with your uh, display. So um, I guess my next question to you would be how important is your table display and um what are some tips to getting noticed? Well, the, believe it or not, that was my first time last year was my first time to ever do an event. So um, really? Yes, yes. Uh, so we had gone to the HorrorCon as patrons uh, in March of last year and met so many interesting people. That's why I love it, because everybody was so friendly and they were so accepting and and it didn't matter if you were a vendor or a, an author or a movie screenwriter. It, it didn't care. You know, people were there because of the horror genre or the fantasy or, or whatever the case may be. But we all had a common interest. And so I was looking at some of the tables that were there. And my husband and I were talking about it. And I said, you know, I, I really want to do a little bit more, something to get people to come to us. Because when you walk by the table and you, and, and you see that it's an author, like you said, some people aren't readers, um, but the, a lot of the people are there for the movie industry. So what better way to kind of capture their imagination by putting our our story into a trailer? And, you know, and, and it worked. So that was the best way to do it. But, but be creative, you know, try what, whatever the case may be on your table, um, come up with a cute little idea that, that ties in your story like I was telling Alec, as long as you have something that brings somebody to your table, then you have them because you can start talking to them. And, and like you said earlier, well, somebody might not be interested. If you had an audio book, maybe I'd be interested. But this is where we get to uh, when we're talking to the public and they come up to see what we have to offer they may not be interested in my book. They may be interested in a fantasy book, but this is why I wanted to know what you and Alec were doing, or I wanted to know who was next to me, because if I didn't have something to offer, offer uh, the public, I could direct them to somebody that they might be interested in. And by being friendly and by saying, oh, well, you know what? I don't write fantasy, but they do across the way or, you know, the murder mystery, whatever the case may be. Then they're like, well, really well what do you have you know and, and and it was just a doorway to to open up well you were surrounded by um by two tables the one table next to me actually the two tables next to me were both um film festival tables i know and they didn't have a lick of um display when it came to their film like they were saving it for the the big um, event yeah the big event and then the other person was like a hat uh, when they were selling like, Bender. hats or something. Right, right. And then I had the musician next to me, which was, was interesting too, because if you are thinking about doing trailers, what better way than to meet somebody who composes horror music? Because when I discussed it with Rob, 
um, I was like, well, if I ever would like to use your music for one of my trailers, and he's oh, by all means. And I said, of course, I give you credit for it in, at the end of my trailer. And that not only helps him get his work out, but it was helping me too, because now I, I have a way in of using music without worrying about the copyrights. Yeah, and that's very stressful. I mean, like, especially with me starting my own podcast. I, I, my, my intro is good, but I would like to do better with it in the future. So it's like, all right, well, how do I get music and how do I get an intro uh, and, you know, not break the bank while they, doing it? You know? well, so it, being able to make those connections and have something like that is just fantastic. And, you know, I hate to say it, but one of my secret tools that I use for when it comes to copyrights is Pixabay. I don't know if people are familiar with Pixabay, but it's P-I-X-A-B-A-Y. Look it up use and abuse it what it is 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 a site that allows you you to use other people's um photos and video and and they provide you with the licenses and it's free and so what better way to create book trailers or even create you know books or whatever book covers because you have access and and the reason being is these these people that are photographers who are wanting to get their name out are, are putting it on this platform and, and agreeing that it's a, a commercial use. So you can use these photos for commercial use. It clearly says it as a license. So it, it's the best tool out there, actually. Wow. And see, that's a good thing about talking to new people because, you know, I would have never heard of anything like that. You know, well, it's addictive. You're going to love it. The podcast today. <laughs> it, it is so addictive. I, I'm telling you, you're going to, as soon as you get off, you go and you check that out and you're going to see all these images and, you know, whether you are looking for a picture from a tree or a mailbox or whatever, and, and you think, wow, this, and, 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 you know, what I do is if I do come across an image that I want to use, I make sure I take a picture of the, where it clearly says that it says it can be used for commercial use because then that way I feel like I'm covered because Pixabay is a platform that does allow these things to be used. Absolutely. So talking about like the different things that might draw somebody to the table, um, you know, there's things that uh, I've noticed since I've sort of taken over sort of creative control of Alex uh, space <laughs> during events. Um <laughs> Well, it, you know, it's funny that I say it like that because I've always supported Alec. I've always gone to his events. Um, he's never had to ask me. I always just show up. <laughs> oh, uh, he's going to so. be putting you in a shark tank before long. You know that. That's the next step. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm always up uh, and available to do things for him. So, like, um, I'm definitely scared of the next thing he might act, uh, ask. Especially after the conversation you guys had on drop line. Like, I know I wasn't I'm, helping you out much. I was giving him, <laughs> you know, especially like with the knives. I mean, I could just visualize you with an apple on your head and him throwing knives at you. <laughs> <laughs> the big target in the background. Exactly, and you don't think people wouldn't stop at your table to see that? <laughs> oh, people would be so fascinated just wait, waiting to see my demise. Um, <laughs> But, you know, it, it's funny, too, because um, before Alec and I really got into partnership with OTP, Alec's old setup was um, was with um, another publishing company. I won't mention them. You know, there's no bad blood or anything. But, um, you know, they basically uh, in terms of events, they basically let him do, you know, whatever. They didn't really give him as much guidance as, um, you know, as, as I, I do, you know. They basically said, uh, you know, 
are you doing any events? And you're like, yeah, well, I got this event, this event, and this event. And they're like, well, good luck. Wow. And, you know, poor Alec um, shows up, you know, with uh, like a makeshaft, uh, you know, setup, and he's having a really hard time uh, gaining people to come over to the table. So, um, you know, I've done shows with him, and I was like, you know what? Let me uh, take a crack at it. Right. Let me let me uh, try to, you know, think of a few things. So, um, like, some of the ideas I came up with this year um, was, you know, like doing like a dollar raffle where they put in a dollar and they get to either get a book or like a special mention in your book. Right. Um, that seemed to bring a lot of people in. I know Harakon, he um, had that one moment where somebody actually won the raffle. That's and cool. he was that was so cool. about it. Right. Um, the other thing that I uh, started introducing was the idea of doing like a sculpture. We uh, got in contact with an artist and currently I have one being done about one of my main characters in Sanguinary Song, hopefully getting some of that on the table soon. Um, I did the candles and I did the whole Wiccan setup. Yes. And he did his whole um, knife uh, setup and um, we had the big cauldron in, in the corner and like sort of held our dual thing i had a stake in one side he had a knife in the other right and i was like you know um that's sort of the setup that we used for that three weeks where we did the 4-h fair where we did collinswood book festival where we did Harcon, and um you know but before we really got otp off the ground where we could be official um i really started to notice how people were starting to pay more attention to the setup right and, you know, um, really, it's all about, like you said, getting um, some something on the table that will draw people over. And it's like, I remember, you know, thinking of the candles, I'm like, what's more Wiccan than candles? Right. And then I'm looking across at the table and I see these beautiful candles <laughs> on your table. And I'm like, her candles are better than my candles. Where did you get them? Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you were telling me all about it, I like right on Amazon. Michaels, I was looking at you know, whatever Spencer's, but wait until the end of the season. Never pay full price. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you know, it's these little things that get people involved in it, and you know, like the dollar raffle for the setup, right. and you have the TV and was drawing people over, and we're right. thinking and about they, doing they stuff the like next that. Step. You need to, to start dressing in full costume, too. I don't care if you just throw some contacts in your eyes. Um, we were having fun with it, you know, and we really hadn't gotten, but now you won't believe what we've got coming up. I mean, we went full out this year. Our costumes are phenomenal. And oh, I, I believe it. I, I, I could not, I, I really wanted something different because, you know, you have your typical vampire look, you have your typical zombie look, whatever the case. And I, we really like steampunk, but we wanted it to be like a, a, a whole genre of its own where it's a steampunk horror. And so, you know, this way kind of gives something fresh to it. Um, you look apart and, and it also gives you a sense of confidence because think about it when you're in costume, you have this confidence that really nobody knows who you really are. So as an author, if, if you're having problems sitting at a table promoting your book, what better way than to get in costume and get into the feel of things and just have fun with it? And, and I know I kept saying have fun with it. I'm sure people were so tired of me here saying fun, fun <laughs> the other night, and I've got to stop using that. But the point is you do want to have that because 
it's an energy and 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 the, it's addictive because the more fun you have with it the time flies and and people are drawn to you it's like a magnet and and so if you're a little uncomfortable with that attention what better way than to um you know go ahead and 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 to hide behind who cares you know absolutely it's all about having fun right though you know um, not all the ideas are the best kind of ideas. I know there was one idea that I did, which it sounded really cool off the bat, but nobody felt interested in doing it in Horicon. And I just ended up getting, doing away with it. And it was like I did a uh, almost like a game where it was like, what kind of mage are you? You know, and I would ask like a series of questions. And, you know, based off of their answers, you, I could tell them whether or not they're a witch or a warlock, you know? Okay. Right. And, you know, it, I, I, I found out firsthand that just people aren't interested to do something like that. They just want to move on, you know? That's the thing. There's so much to see at Horicon. And, and if uh, if people are only buying one day's ticket, which for the most part, most people, that's all they're going to buy. They don't realize that there is so much going on at the show that you can make it a whole weekend affair. Um, so if, if you're there only for one day, you, your first response is to hurry. And, and I noticed, we all noticed that uh, people would come in and they'd fly right by our tables and then they would come back. And when they came back the second time to walk through, then was when they were more relaxed and they'd already saw everything they wanted to see and they were more open to seeing some of the things they hadn't seen. So you're right. It, it, it's a matter of how much time people really want to take. And, and that's where, you know, it's like fishing. <laughs> you got to set that hook somehow, some way. So, you know, it's trial and error. That's all there is to it. Absolutely. So um, what kind or, or how, how do you find events as an author? I'm actually through you guys. <laughs> Really, I, I started off with the, the Renaissance Fair as kind of my first testing ground when it came to the children's book. I really had never pursued any. Uh, I did do some things through the library, but like I said, I was so excited with Horicon. And then I'm going to Evil Expo in a couple of weeks. I want to see what that's all about. It might be something I want to be part of. Um, but as for, you know, I hear you talking about these book fairs and I've never explored any of those avenues. And, and I, and so I'm over here, you know, you say you're over there looking at my table and the meanwhile, I'm over here listening to all these things that you have lined up and I'm thinking, okay, how can I be part of that? And, you know, what are they talking about? And I don't want to be mimicking you, but you know, you, you guys have some really cool ideas and, and you've set up some really nice events for yourself. So good for you. Thank you. Yeah, like when it comes to events, like we really just keep searching like on the web. <laughs> what kind of events are coming to this area, coming to that area? Well, it can get expensive too. I mean, you know, just because you want to be part of an event, you know, you have to be careful with what it's going to cost, you know. Exactly. I mean, you know, if you sell one book, you feel like, okay, I did something. Uh, but, you know, some of these events, you need to sell a lot more than one book to be able to cover the costs of what that table costs you or what, you know, let alone everything else that goes into it. So just because you're a part of an event, it, it, you know, you have to have an open pocketbook basically for it. And that, that's tough sometimes. 
Well, I mean, Horrorcon was a really cool event and it was really good for networking, but a lot of people don't realize that that was like 300 a ticket, you know, for you to get the table. Yes, yes. And, you know, like we went to three events. We went to Collinswood, we went to 4-H, the 4-H fair, and then we uh, did Horrorcon. And, um, you know, Horrorcon costed more than both the Collinswood Book Festival and the 4-H fair combined. The 4-H fair was only 40 bucks. And Collinswood Book Festival, I think, was like 150, if anything. Well, one of the things I come across, which I've never had happen before, but one of the events, I'm not going to say which one, but one of the events I'm going to be doing, I had to have liability insurance. Wow. Myself, why? Are they going to cut themselves on my paper? You know, they're going to get a paper cut? (laughs) But they want me to have a million dollar liability coverage. So, you know, that's on top of what I have to pay for the space and it blew my mind it really did yeah that's that's crazy i couldn't even imagine you know and it's it's one of those things where you're trying to plan ahead to do multiple events because the only way you're going to get out there and get noticed is if you're doing the events but you know excited about it you know you think okay and a lot of planning goes into it you know we want to write and we want you know i want a new book out for the the next event and everything but in the meanwhile i'm trying to figure out i got to do my shopping (laughs) so i have to figure out what what you know what little cool prompts i'm going to do and and everything and then like you said if if i start doing research because it is addictive what i i enjoyed it so much and you know whether it was the renaissance fair or the horicon we're such people oriented people and, and we love talking to people and, and we get so sucked into it. And, and, and so it's a lot of fun. We, and to do it, it, it it's almost like a traveling kind of thing. And, and it, it can be tough. Absolutely. I will tell you though, um, one of the cool events that uh, Alec and I went to uh, last year, it's called arts and authors of Scrabaganza. It's in uh, Cherry Hill, New Jersey. They do it once a year. Um, you know, we, we kind of came up with this, um, format where it's like, you're either going to an event that you're going to sell books in, or you're going to a format where you're going to do a lot of media coverage. Right. And like Horicon is a mixed bag. You're either going to get a lot of attention and make a lot of contacts, or you're going to sell books, or you could do a little bit of both. Right. Um, arts and authors. I remember Alec going and I think he paid like a hundred dollars to go. Yeah. Something like that. hundred, 150 to go. Um, and it's like, you know, the, of course, when you come back again, they, you get the, you know, the return, you discount. know, right, right, right. Discount. And, um, you know, the one thing I felt bad about is Alec went to that event and he was so happy to go because it was a new event. It was close. Um, he didn't sell a book yeah. and, you know, of course that's discouraging, of but, course. um, the one thing that we did realize about arts and authors extravaganza is that it has this huge social media, uh, platform. And they take time to invite each author up to the stage oh, no. to where they get to talk about their book right. and tell you how to follow them. And it, it was so fantastic Good. to be able to get that exposure for Alec. Right, right. And it's what you need to do. And, and it, you know, with networking, with through Horicon and everything like that, I've, I've met so many different types of people in different contexts. And you know, I like was doing the podcast with you and drop a line with Alec gives me so much more exposure so just because maybe the sales weren't there when it came to the books the exposure was and the opportunity to get more exposure and 
you know, get your name out there and, and, and have people understand where you're coming from. But, you know, in the meanwhile, people have to understand you have to have the books there at the table to sell. <laughs> so yeah. You, you've already invested all this money, not only on the table, on the decorations, on the books, on your costume, on the time. And it can be frustrating if it doesn't go the way you want it to. So you, you have to go in open-mindedly and realize, you know, what's all behind this. Cause a lot of people don't see the behind the scenes. And it's funny that you mentioned that too, because if you think about it, I'm that person right now. I was that person that was supporting Alec and, you know, all I was doing was trying to hype up my book. Right. But I don't have a book to sell at the moment. Right. You know, at October, the height of, you know, when I could be selling my book, I had all these people come over. And they were so entertained with what I was telling them, right. but I didn't have the book to sell them. And a, and a big part of me thinks that if I had the book, I probably could have gotten some sales. Sure, sure. <laughs> but you know what? At least you're, at least you've already tested the waters. You knew what to expect. So, yeah. like you know, we were talking about at the very beginning of this segment is is you know what can we do. And, and that falls right back to all of the social platforms that we have, you know, how, how much opportunities we have to, to meet everybody and, and, and different things. I, I just started on an app called the Slasher app and yet another mm -hmm. format that I have to build friends and, and, and get contacts. But there are a whole group of different types of people that, that I didn't even have contacts with through Horicon or, or through Instagram. So Yet again, I'm expanding and, and, and growing my audience, and, and it's really exciting. It, it is an exciting time. And you get a whole bunch of people there from the app that are looking to grow their audience as well. So Of course. Like, well, it seems like we're all, collaborate. since it's a new app, there's a lot of people who are starting. I mean, there's some that have, you know, thousands and thousands of followers, and then there's these others that are just beginning to start out like I am. And, and, and so they're, they're hungry to, to become a friend and, and, and get that contact. And, and that's, that's what we need to do. Everybody's got to start sometime. That's how I felt with Instagram. I was, oh, I'm really starting so late in the game when it came to Instagram because people have been doing it for years, you know. And, and so I, I, I just wanted to really hit it as hard as I could for the first couple of months and, and then make it look like I'd been doing it for a while. <laughs> so, but, you know. Thanks to you and Alec, I'll give you credit. That's it's all because of you. Well, that's just the thing, though. Like you guys can collaborate with the, all those people you meet, and you know, both of you trying to grab a following. And you know, like with things like Drop a Line or Talk Bad Tuesday or the daily readings, or you know, even Talk Is Bass, you can come on the show as many times as you want, and you never know how much that following has grown since the last time you've been on. And that's another person that is looking at your stuff, right? Exactly. And that's what Alec was talking about. You know how cool it is when the the people who are watching the show are start interacting with the other people who are watching the show. And and now we've kind of branched off and we're talking among ourselves. And, and, and then, you know, we may have somebody that we want to recommend or we know somebody who might be interested in it. And it, it does. It, it, it grows before you know it. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, when we come back, I'm going to be putting Tammy into a special Horicon themed hot seat. Uh, <laughs> but first, <laughs> but first, I want to introduce a new segment called Over the Top Rope, where I talk about the big news from professional wrestling. And welcome to a new segment here on Talk is Bass. It's called Over the Top Rope. 
and it is all about professional wrestling and what we should be watching in the world of professional wrestling. This week is a big week for professional wrestling, WWE in general. Um, you have basically a World Clyde event, which is basically WWE UK and um, WWE NXT um, colliding. That's on Saturday at 7 p.m. This is going to be a really awesome show. Um, you guys heard me uh, rave about how awesome NXT UK was and their uh, takeover show. Um, this is definitely going to be something you won't want to miss. The two best brands in professional wrestling are going head to head. And um, there's a lot of excited matches like uh, Undisputed Era versus um, Imperium, uh, Finn Balor versus Dragonoff, and of course, you won't want to miss Mustache Mountain versus DIY. That's this Saturday at 7 p.m. Also this week is the Royal Rumble. Uh, we talked in great length about this with uh, Blake on last week's show. But uh, this Sunday at 7 p.m., the Royal Rumble officially starts. Of course, there's going to be a two-hour pre-show beforehand. But uh, this is one of the big four pay-per-views, and a lot of people look forward to it. It's one of my favorite pay-per-views. Um, I gave a few predictions last week. I think I'm going to tweak them just a little bit. Um, I said Roman Reigns is going to run the War Rumble. I still think that's definitely going to happen. Um, but I also want to throw in Drew McIntyre. I think Drew McIntyre is a good choice um, to win the Royal Rumble. Um, if it's not Drew McIntyre, it's definitely going to be Roman Reigns. I have a strong feeling about that. Obviously, whoever eliminates Brock Lesnar will be feuding with him. Um, for the title. So whoever wins will be taking on the fiend most likely for the universal championship. And not only that, but you have the women in the Royal rumble uh, match this year. And um, I think Shayna Baszler um, is a good, strong pick to win the women's Royal rumble match. Uh, she has a lot to prove. She's coming off of one of the best years Um of sports entertainment. She was a dominant two-time NXT champion. What better way than to throw her into a new uh, competition field would be to have her win the Royal Rumble and go on to dominate at WrestleMania. And of course, this week on AEW, you have Chris Jericho's um, cruise where um, – AEW will be emulating uh, this week. A um, lot of cool action going on there. Uh, MGF got thrown into a pool, which is always hilarious when you see a uh, very um, energetic heel kind of get his just dues. And that's pretty much over the top for this week. Definitely want to tune into AEW this week. It was an awesome show, and you won't want to miss WWE Worlds Collide. And, of course, WWE Royal Rumble. This was Over the Top Rope, and now we're going to get back to Tammy Vreeland. Buying a used car? Make sure previous owner isn't included. Transporter of Souls by Tammy Vreeland. Get it now at Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. Sometimes the dead 
don't rest. <laughs> And we are back, and it is now time for another edition of the Hot Seat. Are you ready? I think so. All right. Freddy or Jason? Freddy. Alien or Predator? Predator. Scream or Michael Myers? Scream. Classic horror or modern horror? Classic. Chucky or? Chucky. (laughs) (laughs) Zombie or vampire? Oh, vampire. I'm going old school with this one. Nosferatu or Dracula? Oh, that's tough because, you know, I, I'll say Dracula. <laughs> a Quiet Place or Get Out? Oh, come on. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I guess A Quiet Place. <laughs> All right. It or The Exorcist? Exorcist. The Grudge or The Thing? Oh, now they don't even go together. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, Thing is a classic and in in its own, it it can't even be compared to something. So I'm guessing the Thing? (laughs) But I like the other one, too. What was the other one? (laughs) The Grudge. The Grudge. Oh, I like the Grudge, though. So both. (laughs) I'm going to go with both. All right. Uh, If your series could cross over with any horror franchise, which one would you choose? Um, my goodness. I guess that's Exorcist. All right. And that is another edition of The Hot Seat. This one was horror. Um, <laughs> thanks for uh, playing along there. It looks like you had <laughs> some fun. <laughs> uh, so um, I want to uh, take a second to thank, yeah, thank you, Tammy, for uh coming on to the show uh it was very exciting to have you and you're also welcome to come on in any other show uh just let me know <laughs> i appreciate that it's it, it's been exciting to be on this i i have to admit this was my first podcast you make it so easy uh you know it's funny i've been getting like compliments on how structured my path to podcast is and it really doesn't take that long to record it doesn't but it also so, is the interaction. You're very good at making somebody feel comfortable and, and showing them the ropes. So we appreciate that as well. Thank you so much. So um, how can we reach you uh, on social media? Okay. So my main website is uh, www.tammybreeland.com. You can also find me on Facebook. Uh, Tammy Breeland's Horror Books is for the horror genre. Uh, children's book is would be Tammy uh, Unseen Beauty by Tammy Breland. Instagram is hashtag or well I don't think it's hashtag it's just Tammy. At. Yes, it's at there you go at Tammy White Noise lowercase and Tammy Unseen Beauty lowercase and I have a Twitter account I haven't used in years so I don't even know if it's active so I won't even go there. <laughs> yeah, don't feel bad. I have a Twitter as well and just like Snapchat I never touch it. I. I, I just didn't get it. <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, kind of like smoking. I just never got it. So <laughs> I just left it alone. <laughs> Had to have it, but I left it alone. So so to follow me, you can follow me at, at AndrewBast24 or on Facebook at AndrewBastAuthor. Um, you can also leave a message um, on the leave a message function on the Anchor app. Just search for Talk is Bast. And there, if you are um, looking to promote something, you can re- uh, record a promotion for yourself or you can uh, send me a message that you want played on the air and 
I'll happily do it. Um, uh, what about uh, upcoming shows? Do you have any uh, events coming up? I have, as we've talked a lot about today, uh, Horcon, obviously, and it's March uh, 27th, 28th, 29th. Then I have the, uh, the Renaissance Fair, New Jersey Renaissance Fair is uh, May 23rd, 24th, 30th, 31st, June 6th and 7th. And also uh, those were two school days for June 6th and 7th. Um, I have a couple things coming up at library events. Haven't really nailed them down yet. And also at Goddard schools. Awesome. And whenever you get those dates, feel free to uh, okay. use the record a message function and we'll get them up on the podcast so that anybody listening could uh, slide on by by those events. Sounds good. All right. In terms of upcoming shows for Talk is Best, um, we have an upcoming show with Twitch streamer Wobbleline. Um, that'll hopefully be next week. I think we're recording that tomorrow. I'm very excited. I've recorded three podcasts this week. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. Um, and uh, I'm going to be getting Alec back on the show. I know we're going to go over uh, DC uh, Crisis Recap. And I know that I am going to do a podcast on the upcoming Royal Rumble and Worlds Collide event for WWE NXT, um, the professional wrestling brand. So um, there's a lot to look forward to with Talk is Best. You get a whole wide range of topics from uh, writing to uh, enter sports entertainment and other, ac uh, other academic activities uh, like Twitch Dream or Wobble Line. So you're not going to want to miss a show. No. So once again, I would like to uh, thank you, Tammy, for uh, coming on and, uh, you know, shooting the breeze for me. Uh, but before we uh, ride off into the sunset, um, do you have anything else you would like to share with the audience before we go? Nope. Just uh, always remember your classic line of writer rights. So get out there, put your ideas down on paper, take that chance. It'll be the best thing you ever did. All right. Thank you so much. And uh, that's our show. I want to thank everybody for uh, joining in with us. All new episodes of Talk is Bass air every Saturday. Um, thank you guys for joining us. Thank you for having me. Talk is Bass is sponsored by One True Promotion. If you like what you see, subscribe to Talk is Best through the Anchor app. And while you're there, check out our record a message function where you can actually record a message and get that broadcasted on the show.